The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. There's blue sky out there, which there hasn't been for much of this week. Much of this year. It's been an icky, grayish sort of year. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I can't complain about the wintertime because we weren't inundated with the, the, the white stuff. Uh, it there was is that. Relatively mild. But, yeah, it, what turned out to not be the, the, the S word ended up being rain a lot of the time. And it seemed like we were had an in and seemed like we had a lot of rain and water and then all of a sudden like two weeks ago or three weeks ago they started saying oh drought conditions we need water i'm going the hell happened all the water that we had it evaporated (laughs) it must have uh but yes today is a blue sky day so it looks like it's going to be a nice one uh happy fourth of july to everybody out there who's listening uh happy fourth of july happy canada day Happy Canada Day on the 1st, yeah. And speaking of uh, gray and white, um, happy birthday this week. Really? Uh, I believe it's your birthday this week. You're correct. I wasn't expecting it. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I occasionally remember things. It's not very often, but when I do, it surprises even me. Uh, speaking of Canada, though, I mean, since it is Canada Day, uh, have we have we figured out where we're actually going to be playing all of these playoff games this summer? Of course not. Why would they need to do that? I, I don't know. As we said in pregame, it doesn't really matter for people like you and I who aren't going to be attending, but. For the essential personnel and the players themselves, it might be a good idea if they know where they're supposed to be going. Well, it would also be kind of useful uh, to be able to, you know, book the hotels and book the travel. Exactly. They need to know know where they're going. Maybe figure out with the pilots uh, and private jets for the teams that use them um, how much time they're going to need and how much, you know, fuel – what paperwork? Uh, you know, I think they. I think there's a big fancy word for that called. Uh, oh, it's not that big or fancy. It's simply logistics. Um, You're not supposed to use that either. I know that we talk about um, L and R. Isn't logistics sort of related to L and like the L part? Uh, fairly in fact, closely. It's, it's kind of in the word. You know, logic and reason. L and R. And, logistics logic it's kind of in there already i don't know just a thought a little bit so you remember a few weeks ago when you know they were somebody was leaking out that it was going to be you know vegas was definitely one of the cities and i myself actually said that i didn't expect either of the either of the cities to be in canada well here's the segue now it looks like both hub cities are going to be in Canada. Vegas is, is out. Chicago is out. It's going to be Edmonton and Toronto, supposedly. In some ways, I guess. I mean, Edmonton has traditionally had really good ice quality. Um, I think that 
part of the reason it, the balance has shifted back towards Canada is some of the uh, southern states uh, have seen a little bit of a rise in the reason for the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it, uh, I don't know, I think part of it is horse trading that's going to eventually be kind of revealed or hinted at about the CBA and the um, and the, uh, the the plan to resume play. Well, per Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News uh, on July 2nd, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like their caseloads uh, in Vegas have, um, yeah, they had a significant increase in Vegas and kind of fell out of favor. That goes along with the whole Southern thing, and it was the Southwest and everything else. But apparently Edmonton has been relatively untouched by this whole ordeal. Uh, I'm not saying they haven't seen any cases, but it's been relatively untouched, even though Calgary is three hours south of them, but they've had uh, a significantly larger number. And then I guess Toronto is sort of in the same boat as we are here in Boston. They've flattened out, controlled everything, uh, done things the right way. And and that's why suddenly those two cities are now the leaders in the clubhouse and most likely going to be the cities where we will see NHL action. I think that a good portion of it is still horse trading. You still think that they're figuring this out? I mean, it, don't get me wrong. They're only... I mean, yeah. assuming that those are actually the cities that ends up happening. It, because at one point, it was essentially a done deal that it was going to be like Vegas and Columbus. <laughs> I always wondered Columbus being a, being a hub city where they, you know, was it was a big enough area because... I mean, Toronto is a large enough city that they could handle the influx. And yes, I know it's only 600 people. I get that. But it's still a bit of an influx. And with things opening or slowly opening. I've attended conventions in Columbus that had 2,000 plus attendees. Oh, okay. It's absolutely possible. I mean, Columbus, the Columbus metro area is about is fairly close to the population of Boston. And I'm talking Boston itself, not uh, the Boston metro area, which, depending on how you define it, extends. Uh, I would say it extends as far as the T lines uh, go, not the commuter rail, but uh, the T itself. Um, so but it, it's certainly it's not like you're talking about going to Lowell <laughs> and dumping 600 people in downtown Lowell. Um, OK, fair enough. Lowell is a Lowell is a, a, a blue collar town and, and it's actually still one of the five or six biggest uh, cities in New England. But it's yeah, it's not the same. Agreed. I, I don't I guess I'm at the point where I, I don't care where they're playing the hockey at this point. As long Play as they're playing the hockey. hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I 
you know what? They could take the games to Tibet and have that be have a hub city there, and then one in Zimbabwe, and I would be a hundred percent okay. I think they're trying to keep them within the same borders so that there's no issue with uh, uh, what is it when you go through the when you immigration stuff immigration yeah. and and yeah custom customs there we go oh not to mention quarantines and uh, travel restrictions try not to mention many try cases. not to mention those words <laughs> hey we still haven't said the c word this is true either of them in fact um so i mentioned it a minute or two ago yes uh, what do you, uh, and I know that two parts of, uh, the athletic article stood out to me, uh, but in this agreement, uh, and we'll, we'll revise that to three parts. Oh, we're um, going to dive into the CBA. Oh, the CBA, the current this, framework, <laughs> the current framework of the CBA and the, the memorandum of understanding to, uh, resume play. Mm-hmm. Um, what, things stood out to you just give me the first one straight up uh the first thing that stood out to me is probably going to be the first thing that stood out to you and that would be the um the impact of of no movement no trade clauses on contracts that's a big concession because at one point there that was that was a that was the hill that the owner that ownership was going to die on at one point. Like legitimately, there was no compromise from executives and ownerships. I think as recently as the last CBA, uh, 2013. Um, so for that to so. come out without a work stop or without a work stoppage because of non-agreement, um. And to suddenly go from a maybe to a definite thing, Let's that's not huge. Get, I, I agree. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. According to, according to the article here in The Athletic, uh, written by Scott Burnside, I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, it says, here are other details of the current framework being discussed. So this isn't... It's uh, not set in stone. I was going to say, this isn't pen to paper set in stone, but yeah, that was the that's a big one. No movement, no trade clauses will now move with the players, even if they haven't been triggered. Normally, it, it, in the past, it had to be that the team acquiring the player had to agree to let them continue or Correct. exist Yes. after the trade. But now they are moving with it, and you're going to have to like it. <laughs> uh, the other thing I noticed, I the other thing that caught my eye was the um, just – the deferral and it, it makes sense, but players are going to see a 10% deferral of next season's salary and it's going to be paid out in equal installments over three seasons, starting with the 23, 24 and ending with the 25, 26 season. So they're, they're doing their best to try and keep next year's cap number from going down, which they had already said it wasn't going to happen. Um, and this is just one of the, one of their ways of controlling cap money by deferring when, pay, player salaries. Yeah, when like, did when did relations between ownership and players in the NHL get so congenial? I, I mean, 
do, do, do other as we've discussed in the past with I don't know Glenn Sather um, and how we got to take Scott Gomez, how we got to ship Scott Gomez and and whoever to Montreal. Um, does somebody have uh, suggestive photos or uh, video? Conclusive. What? Conclusive. Conclusive. Suggestive. Uh, <laughs> incriminating. Um, incriminating. Another good word. Are there videos ro- uh, going around here that I, we haven't seen yet? Uh, I, yeah, and I don't if know. So, this in which very, direction? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. The cap will stay at eighty-one and a half million until revenues reach four point eight billion. Oh, that's a nice little number. After that, a formula for establishing the cap will be employed. I mean, just reading through it, it's like they sat down. Somebody went, "Here's our list. Here's our list." Okay, let's. And nobody went. Nah, I don't like that idea. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I. What's the other one? Oh, the one that you caught as a surprise. Oh yes, the uh, for going forward, thirty-five plus contracts that are multiple years, as long as the uh, the annual uh, salary is flat or uh, uh, decreases, will not count against uh, the cap if a player retires during uh, the contract. I mean, this is this is this is almost as big a get. I mean, but, this, but again, this is this is this is part of that whole give and take we were just talking about because they the the, the owners have to accept that the no move no trade clause is coming in. Oh, but as a if you sign a 35 year old to a multiple contract, it's not going to hurt you on the cap. What giving and taking and and actually trying to work together are these these are. Are these concepts that are actually allowed in business discussions? It would be unfair to call it unprecedented, uh, but we're going to call it highly remarkable and slightly confusing. Uh, I just I'm somewhat baffled that these things have gotten enough momentum to get out and be reported in a reliable source like the uh, like the athletic. Um and it, it's just a little bit. Well, let's face it. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked. Uh, well, but the, the, here's, here's the thing that worries me about yeah. what's in this article. Okay, go ahead. If you go back to the top of this article, it says very well. It's right there, but they don't, they don't drag the point out in any way. The word historic. No. Oh, okay. These, it is in the first paragraph. The CBA or... extension and the res, uh, the the resumption of play uh, agreement will be voted on together, which means you have to get a majority of the 31 teams and a majority of the entire NHLPA to agree to both at the same time. You can't approve one without approving the other. So somebody's trying to force feed the other. That's my worry. Like that's my major worry about this is that enough teams will have a problem with one of them, a, ma- a big enough problem with one of them to vote no. 
and enough players. I, I mean, obviously, it's going to take both sides to approve it. Uh, you've got the seven teams who are on the outside looking in for the playoffs in a rather unique fashion. Um, and so, had they just resumed the season, those teams would probably have gotten at least as much revenue. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, everything else, with the exception of the things that are in this article, everything else about the CBA if this is agreed to, is going to extend it until through the 25-26 season. So they're kicking the can down the road for all the other stuff that's in the collective bargaining agreement. But that's okay. They're going to be adding another team by that point. Um, yeah, which is why they have the cap will stay at until revenues reach because – where they are now, you add a thirty second, you add a thirty second franchise to the mix. At some point, you're going to be pushing that four point eight billion dollar number, and then yeah, it's time to figure out okay, where does the cap need to be at? Because we were originally expecting the cap for next season to be what around eighty four or something, eighty three, eighty four. Yeah, it, we were expecting it to go up significant, uh, uh, go up a couple of million before the lockdown started. Um. And there's one other clause that I found interesting because it's one of those it's one of those clauses that you can write about, you can have it on paper, but how it plays out in reality is a very different thing. Uh, players and spouses or significant others travel business class? Mm, wasn't that one? Oh, okay. The one that I – maybe it's the same one. I'm not sure. NHL will take part in the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. I See, I think that's a completely separate story, and I'm not believing it until it actually <laughs> happens. Like, I genuinely think that's a completely separate story. But they're sticking it into the deal. So if it's in there and when they vote on it, that's going to be part of what they agree to. So uh, it, at that point – at that point, does it not become a separate it, – it, it's not a separate story anymore? <sighs> or are they still going to find a way to back out of it when it comes closer to time for playing in the Olympics? I firmly believe that there's still a chance that they could back out. Okay. So and what was the Particularly if we have another pandemic of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the one that I think has potential – has the biggest potential to be a nearly worth the value of the paper it's written on clause is the one allowing players to opt out without penalty. It, all the other leagues are doing it. I'm not that one doesn't really surprise me at all. I didn't say it surprised me. I said I don't know the value of it. Because player X from whatever team in the Atlantic division, their team makes, uh, makes it out of the play in round without them. But, you know, say they're a forward and they get beat by two goals in every single one of the four games, of the normal first round, maybe they make a difference. Maybe they're enough to take the series to seven, win the series. First round, first first round play-ins are only going to be five games. No, no, no. I said make it out of the first round. Pay attention. 
make it out okay. of the play-in. But I how, okay. So you're saying so you're saying now St. Louis doesn't have to worry about the play-in, but say it's St. Louis and Ryan O'Reilly says, uh, "I'm yeah. not going to come back. I've gotten I've got concerns." Yep. How does that? I mean, St. Louis is a tough place to pick because they have multiple town. I mean, I mean, could you turn around and uh, what if it's Bennington that says no? Now you're I mean, what, yeah, seriously, what if it is Jordan Bennington who says my mother lives with me, my dad lives with me, they're not particularly healthy, um, I I just can't do it. Or even worse, one of your playing teams, Darcy Kemper from from uh, Arizona or Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, how much? And if it's a guy on an expiring contract, and he says, "I I can't do it. Um, you know, I'm too worried about it." Uh, we talked about a diabetic player uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what if his doctors say, look, uh, your blood sugar has been out of control the last uh, three weeks. If you get sick, you are going to end up in the hospital. Um, is he really going to face no penalty? According to this, uh, yeah. No penalties for opting out. But like I said, all the other sports are doing it. They would look – the NHL would – would take one in the eye if they didn't follow this protocol. I don't disagree that having the protocol is important, um, particularly since for the first time in the history of the written word uh, and certainly the four major sports, the NHL and the NHLPA have set the standard for reasonable behavior for the four major sports in North America at the crossroads of a major event. Okay. I, yeah. They legitimately set the standard. I mean, the major league baseball has proven that the league is composed almost entirely of prima donnas. Um, (laughs) I was I was going to say they were they were clearly driven driven by their wallets, but okay. Uh, n- just call it what it is. They're prima donnas. They they need the spotlight at all times, and they need everything their way. They have not only a list of gre- of no green M and M's, but they probably want all of the M's facing the same way. They they did they 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 went back and forth for a while. They they got their own. Uh, black guy to deal with because they went back and forth and back and forth and it just looked like a, a money grab you know oh no we want 76 games but we want full share we will, we're giving you 60 games but half share anyway i but whatever between the player I, I, it, generally speaking in order to look worse than baseball ownership you have to be doing a lot but the players actually managed it this time yep um it was it was a couple of squalling brats in a sandbox. But as far as yeah, you're, you're right about the NHL because I mean they, when they started figuring out okay, this is what we're gonna do. These are the phases. This is the you know they became the 
the poster child for getting life back to some semblance of normal. We're going to be playing again. This is how we're going to do it. This is they set the groundwork and then the NBA started to set theirs and, and okay, we got to come back to, and, and how are we going to do it? And, but it was the, it was the NHL that laid the foundation for sports returning and whether they're going to have people in the stands and this and that. So yeah, taking, taking the lead on this was huge. Okay. So the Calgary flames, we'll take them as an example. Mm hmm. TJ Brody says, nope, not coming back. Not playing uh, during the resumed season or postseason. I just can't do it. He's a UFA. Uh, he's just finishing a contract for $4.65 million. How much does that drop his value heading into his next contract if he says he can't play? Does he take a three million dollar haircut? Is it one or two? Uh, I'm gonna Maybe go with the, I'm gonna go with the second option. It's probably somewhere between one and two. I think that they can still rely on his body of work and what he's done. But yeah, not seeing current or most up to date results makes it a little bit more difficult to decide. Hey, we should give this guy six and a half million or seven million or eight million dollars a year. Because I don't know how he did in the end of this season because he decided not to play. In that way, yes, it becomes a a punishment to the player if they decide not to play. For that matter, looking at you know looking back to the front of the season, Dustin Bufflin, for whatever reasons, didn't tell um, Winnipeg ownership and leadership uh, heading into the year that he really wasn't expecting to be able to play. If someone, and I'm not saying Brody, I mean anyone, decides that they're not able to play, how many teams are going to suspect or believe um, or decide whether it's based on fact or just rumor or, you know, annoyance Mm -hmm. that someone's covering up an injury? But the reason they're not coming back isn't because of um, isn't because of, you know, the lockdowns reasons, but simply because they're covering up an injury that they're afraid is would impact their their next contract more than saying, oh, hey, look, the entire world is on lockdown for six months. But is that where is that in that example, is that where Winnipeg? kind of screwed up could they not have said hey you know what we'd like you to take a physical we need to know what's going on yeah they hold his contract they're this guy's sitting there saying well you know i'm, I'm not going to play isn't that but doesn't disclose why in in the tj brody issue if it's not based on the current um situation if it is some kind of physical ailment wouldn't Calgary want or wouldn't the team signing him? And that, isn't that why they have to go through a physical before they can join a team? I mean, they, oh, yes. they, they, they require physicals when trades are done. Uh, if I'm going to give say, somebody $7 million a year, I want to make sure they're healthy. I'm going to ask them to take a physical first. 
let's just say that someone had got a high ankle sprain on Canada Day. They were out fishing with their boys. Okay. They wouldn't a high ankle sprain. They're not going to be ready to resume play in August. It's just not going to happen. No, but they're also going to be hobbling into the locker room on crutches. Come assuming they show up in in a couple of weeks or now. Um, but so you're saying instead of instead of showing up hobbling on crutches, they turn around and say, you know what? I don't feel safe in the current situation. I've opted not to play. Yes. Hiding. Yeah, but guess what? The physical Is that high reality. ankle sprain? Yeah. By Thanksgiving, Christmas, whenever the next season begins, mm-hmm. probably going to be healed. Yeah. The cracked ribs because you stepped or broken thumb because you stepped out of a cab and fell on your face um, on the and curb. The, and we are in no way re, 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 uh, if we yes. are in no way blaming or naming any particular player. Not in any way. Um, you fell you fell and hurt yourself doing something a professional athlete ought to be able to manage. <laughs> um, I don't know, stepping out of a cab, I don't know, or stepping into a cab. Or <laughs> either way, but, you know... That you could know, be difficult at times. be able to manage, and you don't, and you decide to cover it up because you've got your head... Uh, firmly planted in your posterior. Um, you know what? Physical's not really going to show a broken thumb in five months. It's just not. Okay. The high ankle sprain? Uh, yeah, I, I took a puck off of it in uh, uh, do, playing a game of shinny just before regular training camp started. No one's going to know the difference between Without a without a very good exam and more than normal for a physical uh, between a bruise now or a week ago and a high ankle sprain five months ago, people might suspect, but being able to prove it, no, no. Um, what else do we want to talk about this week? Oh goodness. Uh, it has been a, uh, it has been light on the news front. That it uh, has. We are scouring for um, nearly anything. <laughs> we could talk about since we actually both were going to pick the same story. We probably should mention it. Go for it. I mean, being that it's Buffalo, it you know it's here in the. But as we were discussing pre-show, maybe I should give some kind of a lead-in, although I don't know what that lead-in would be. Uh, what the speculation if, 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 uh, if, begin? If, if 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 yeah, a lot of ifs. So Jimmy Murphy two days ago wrote an article Shall titled we call it an "If Storm." Yes, this could be the biggest if storm of. <laughs> Of the NHL season. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, if Eichel asks out of Buffalo, bidding war will rapidly ensue. Okay. Uh, I don't disagree. I like Jimmy Murphy. I've met him. He's he's actually kind of funny. 
uh, to be around. Seems he like, loves. He's like a nice enough guy to talk to. I mean, like, I met him once or twice. If you, if any of my list, if any of our listeners run into him, Jimmy Murphy is a good dude. Yeah, I could say. But that. and I'm not. This is not a criticism of him because the story actually has some really solid meat. But 24, 25 year old superstar. Um, if he opts out of his, if he wants to get out of his city, <clears throat> the odds that a bidding war are not going to yeah, occur are roughly 0. 0.0. Uh, he would probably have to be legitimately spotted doing cocaine on the bench in order for it, in order for their bidding war not to take place. I opened the I, I opened the show with hey the sky is blue today I mean yes sky is blue water is wet if I glass out a buffalo bidding war will ensue um, all similar here <laughs> yeah pretty much the I same mean, pre- Jack, pre- uh, pre- uh, premise second overall pick and the only reason why he wasn't the first overall pick was some kid named uh, Connor. And plays in one of the potential hub cities. Uh, so my my question and my reason for picking the article was a little bit different than your reason. Um, the article goes into the GM and 19 other members of the hockey operations staff uh, right. being relieved of their duties. And if yes. if Eichel decides to to uh, opt out or ask for a trade. Who are the fans going to blame? I mean, here, any time a player asks to be traded, with the sole exception of Ray Bork going at the end of his career to Colorado, somehow the media stories always run towards the player being a jerk. Somehow. It, it just amazing coincidence. Uh, ungrateful, um, said horrible things about the coaches. It all comes out 100% the player's fault. Never, No one in the organization is ever at fault in anything. Just a weird coincidence. But are the players going to blame the succession of coaches for not developing him? Mm-hmm. Are they going to blame him for not managing to control the pace of play even when he's not on the ice? Are they going to blame... Uh, are they going to blame the general managers and the scouting staff for not building a better team? I think that's, because, that's my I question. Think you, I think you actually have to consider that there's enough there's enough blame in the in the pie to go around to all players as far as Buffalo is concerned. Uh, Botterill is the only, the newest guy with the exception of the head coach. So, I mean, unfortunately he, Botterill was the GM, so he's the one who's going to be the face of, he's, yeah, he, and, and he did. But then you're talking about, yeah, the scouts, uh, are the scouts finding players that are good talent wise, but not good in, I mean, what kind of information are they getting? Uh, is there minor league coaching staff 
getting the job done in, in training these kids to get them back up, to get them up to the NHL level. There's enough to go around here. I, You do have to break it all down. And I said that when they fire, who's the next one to go? Is it, you know, they got rid of these, you know, they promoted Kevin Adams. Uh, he was a business administration guy. He's not in the, not an assistant GM, not even a, a an assistant to the assistant GM. He, he's, he came out of the business administration office. Which I think is entirely weird and not necessarily surprising. Um, but yeah, so I think I, they need to blow up all of the. I think they need to blow up the scouting and figure out what to do uh, as far as getting somebody in there who can evaluate talent and and because it clearly isn't working the way it is now. This is a team that they show flashes. They come out at the beginning of a season. By late October, early November, suddenly the last two years or, or two of the last three years. They race up the charts, get into first place. Everybody goes, oh, my God, Buffalo's finally coming around. And then by New Year, they're, dug a new level they're floundering to back to, yeah, 13th place. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, to me, as much as there have, there have clearly been issues with uh, Jack staying healthy, which I think he's addressed by simply being fitter and more aware on the ice, um, there have clearly been issues with the quality of team around him. Uh, I don't think that anyone can actually deny that. Uh, I've never, I have not looked at their roster any time in the last five years and said, "Yeah, that's a playoff team," because I don't do drugs. Oh, well, they got um, Jimmy VC now, so. Ooh. I've I've said all along that. It, it, their goaltend, their, their, their goaltending. You know, you had Robin Leonard, oops, but you didn't have anybody to really back him up. Uh, before him, the last goaltender that was worth his salt would have been Dominic Hasek. Pretty close. <laughs> am I? Am I? I'm not trying to insult Buffalo here. I'm really not. Well, okay, maybe I, a little bit, but. Um, it, seriously, the, the, you it's, haven't it's been done. You, you brought in Carter Hutton because he was a really good-looking backup in St. Louis, and before that, he was a really good-looking backup in Nashville. Carter Hutton was never the number one guy, and you bring him in to be the number one guy without knowing whether he can handle it, and he's one and of these guys. And no backup plan because you're not sure if you're going to hang on to uh, Linus Olmark or whether you're going to bring in a, a yeah the other kid that who's Uko Pekalukanen or yes <laughs> there is no you know th- there doesn't seem to be any strategy behind it. Here's it, my thing: they're doing the al dente thing, throwing it against the wall and see what I, sticks. Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. And like a certain other franchise that we have uh, <clears throat> occasionally applied the hobnailed boots to, um, I firmly believe that this is an ownership issue. You can't be this chaotic this long if ownership knows how to find the right people. 
I have seen no evidence that the Pagulas know how to find the right hockey people <clears throat> to turn that franchise into a contender. I'm not saying a cup winner because that there's a lot there's a lot uh, of random elements that are just not calculable uh, before the start of a season, before the start of a postseason, before the start of a postseason series um, <clears throat> that go into a team winning a Stanley Cup. It, it does but require it into a, a hot contender. goaltender. <laughs> uh, I think Chris Osgood proved that's not a hundred percent true, even though it's really, no, really. No, he like, won. He was a hot. He was a high gold. I was watching the '99 All Star Game on Nesson last night. You know who was one of the one of the three Western Conference goaltenders? Chris that's Osgood. That's right, Chris Osgood. <laughs> or Mark Andre Fleury is another guy who, in his in the first two Pittsburgh wins, he was. <clears throat> not great. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And I'm not saying that Osgood is the be all end all of goaltending because the guy that he was <laughs> the guy he was replacing at the time, uh, because the first period is usually played by the number one vote getter, was um Eddie Belfour. And Eddie Belfour was ridiculous goaltender when he played. It was scary. Uh and he was up against some guy named Bro Dur. I don't know. He's a pretty good goaltender. Never heard of him. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Never heard of either of them, honestly. Buffalo just, they need to, and I don't know, you you can't, I I understand the the premise. You can't, although they fired 19 people, so I guess they're going to have to. But can you really purge every single scout and, uh, I don't know, Front front office guy and everything else, and replace them all at once and expect results. I mean, definition of insanity. insanity, Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. See, and this goes back to my point. If you knew how to find the right people, you'd know which were the wrong people, and you'd be doing a selective move, removing uh, or a selective cull of your staff. Versus bulldozing it and essentially saying, you know, fire them all and let God sort them out. Is there something – well, yeah. Is there something to the fact that the Pagulas own an NFL team as well as an NHL team? Are they focused too much on one over the other? Are they – Well, I mean, they've. But that's the thing. They've had the Sabres longer. They've had the Sabres longer. They've had the time then to you figure would think it out. That- then you would think that, yeah, that would be where their loyalties lie, I guess. I mean, unless the NFL team is bringing in more money, which... Almost certainly is. Yes. It's but just still, a, it's just But a still, even, even, the, even the NFL team was not a great-looking organization until the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, um, I mean it's, it's nice that they're sort of getting a handle on one. But they need to either admit that they don't have what it takes uh, personally to get uh, the team together and either remove themselves from the equation by letting go of the team or doing whatever it takes to find someone who gets it. If they have to go out and hire Brian Burke away from TV uh, to let him run the franchise (laughs) as president for five years. I don't know if the, the Pagulas are ready to hear Brian Burke spew the truth at them, though. Because <laughs> Brian, 
Brian is not exactly mm, a nuanced kind of guy. Uh, oh, he's plenty of nuance. Uh, he's just not subtle. Oh, he that's will explain the all of for. the granular details to you <laughs> with the same gentle, loving caress uh, that one would apply a sledgehammer to the bridge of someone else's nose. <laughs> I mean, I love I love Brian Burke. I, I just <laughs> the honest the honesty that that man that when when they <laughs> when they talk to him during like, uh, and that's one of the things that I actually missed a few days ago was. <laughs> the first day of free agency and how it would be covered by the NHL Everyone. network or TSN would, or and the NHL network would be hitting the, you know, piping into the feed and you'd have Brian Burke talking about, well, they kind of screwed that up. They offered him too much money. And I mean, Brian was just never, he doesn't pull any punches. He, and I, 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 I miss Brian Burke almost as much as I miss the game. <laughs> Actually, when you come down to it, I think the NHL has two awesome Brian's uh, commenting on stuff. You've got Burke and then you've got uh, former goaltender. Brian Boucher. Yes. With NBC Sports. Eh, both commenting on the game. Yeah. Well, then there's a then there's a guy named John in Columbus that I really enjoy watching too. So the coach, uh, I, <laughs> I that would that would be him. Yeah, I <laughs> kind of want at some point in history for Burke and um, Torts to end up working for the same team. Oh goodness! Okay, the press conference gold. <laughs> <laughs> it would be magnificent. I mean, no one else might get to speak or during like their discussions on, you know, re-signing players or putting lines together or whatever, but absolutely fascinating and at highly educational. Maybe slightly entertaining too. <laughs> Mm, especially, especially, especially if one of the reporters has a phone that starts ringing during the press conference. That still, that <laughs> to this day remains one of the greatest moments in sports. Uh, yeah, in hello. sports broadcasting. Yeah. yeah, this is John. John, yeah. No, he he's in a press. He's working. He should be on his phone. He's working. This is mom. <laughs> okay. I mean, legitimately, that was just gorgeous. Beautiful. And John's, I mean, he's laughing because he's just like, what else are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> give me the phone. Give me, give me the phone. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. <laughs> oh, goodness. I have to. Yeah, that was. All right. Serious. Seriously. Seriously now. Okay. So if the organization needs an overhaul and we both agree that it needs at least an overhaul, if not more. Um. And during this, we've decided that the team needs an overhaul. Jack does say, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. It's terrible. Get me out of town. I don't, you know. And this bidding war begins. But is that really how you want to start the overhaul? By losing your franchise player? You know what? Or does it have to happen in order for the overhaul to happen? You know what? I honestly think it accelerates the return to something viable. 
I re- no, and I'm not just saying that. I genuinely think it accelerates the return to usefulness um, because it, it say it happens after the postseason. Buffalo makes it to makes it or they make a contest of the play in. They lose, but they make a contest of it. They make a contest of losing. They don't they, they don't get they, run over. They've been doing that. They don't get run over. They look good in at least one game. They win one of the games. They're not but in. But they lose. Oh, you're right. They're not. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say what are they losing? They're, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> let's just say after the playoffs stop, or assuming everything starts, it's September 1st. The Stanley Cup parade is over. And Jack Eichel says, yes, I'm out. I want out. I do not want to come back to Buffalo. I do not want to put on the Buffalo uniform again. I wish everyone well. I wish everyone I can remember the name of well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be in Chelmsford until uh, I'm told where my new team is. Well, his what his sort of haul? Fish. What sort of haul is hmm. Buffalo getting? Uh, well, here's as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, uh, relating this to the Boston Bruins, we said that you know because he's buddy with buddies with Grizzy, they played at BU together, they have the same agent. Uh, there's no way, or almost no way, that the Bruins going to be able to acquire him because it would cost way too much. Not and, the Bruins, and, but just. But but a team like the Bruins, right. St. Louis is not going to be able to get, grab him. Anybody Why? who's a serious, because they're going to have to give up pretty much what the Bruins are going to have to give up unless, again, somebody has uh, intimidating photos or video. Um, but here, I mean, for me, it, we I think we already know or at least can accept that it's not going to be Boston, Toronto, St. Louis, Tampa. Well, there I, I think you, that's I think the other you can reason toss those four teams out. Yeah, I think we can also a... toss Edmonton out. And uh, I don't know if they, they could afford him with the money that they've already given to Drysaddle uh, and McDavid. Drysaddle and McDavid. Yes, thank you. And I think you can probably toss um, Chicago out as well. We but did after talk that, about a team that would be very intriguing to see him go to. Uh, yes, and that's that's something that we'll talk about in a second. But okay. after that, I think even Pittsburgh and Washington are open. Mm, You'd be trading like if you're trading Pittsburgh, roster players in. I don't know that Pittsburgh has enough of any. Enough capital? I, I don't think they have enough capital to bring an Eichel in. I, you, well, you're trading roster players, and you're you trading. Have, you would have to, yeah. Trading but picks. The first name, the first name on the list that Buffalo is going to want from Pittsburgh is not Sidney Crosby. I don't think it's Evgeny Malkin either. Not uh, Evgeny Malkin. He's the been first name they're going to want is Jake Gensel. And that should be okay. Because it's going to be Jake Gensel, 
It's going to be a young defenseman. Might be two young defensemen. And you're probably still talking. Pittsburgh have defensemen? Pittsburgh has defensemen. They just don't use them in any sensible way. Uh, also, okay. their goaltenders wanna, seem to be made see, of chalksticks. I want to see that list of defensemen because I'm not buying it. Uh, and, and the goaltending is, uh, uh, yeah, Matt Murray, I think, has spent equal parts injured as well as healthy at this point. Uh, Tristan Jari, I can't figure it, it. It's like a Sybil situation. One minute he's terrible. Next minute he's he's lights out. Casey DeSmith was the guy that they were trying to shield, but I haven't seen anything of him since last season. Uh, I just I don't know that they have the capital to get it done, but I understand where you're coming from. It's I don't think it's going to be a St. Louis or a Boston. Uh, St. Louis is OK because they're in the Western Conference. Get it. Um I don't even know that Detroit could bring him in because what are you going to offer besides draft picks? They go, they want you're going to have picks. to offer a a load of draft picks. Like for Pittsburgh, looking at uh, looking at their um looking at their system, mm-hmm. they you're right. They do not have a lot of useful young defensemen in their <laughs> system. I mean, Pierre Oliver Joseph. Uh, probably qualifies, but I'm not sure I'm building a, I'm pretty sure I'm not building a, um, a trade for Eichel around him. Um, I, uh, I mean, Gensel finished the year on injured reserve. Um, as far as the young defensemen actually on their roster, you got, I mean, Brian Dumoulin is 28. So that's, eh. Um, but he's probably the most viable, like second pair or better defenseman uh, long term on that team. Latang is already 33 and has had enough injuries to make Matt Murray look healthy. Um, but yeah, you're probably talking at least two first. Gensel, call it. Um, we'll call it Pierre. Uh, did I say his name was Pierre Oliver, Oliver uh, Joseph. Olivier? No, it's Pierre Olivier Joseph. Oh, okay. Um, and then one, at least one first, two seconds, and they don't even. I mean, if it uh, if it happens before this year's draft, they don't even have a first or a second in this year's draft, and they don't have a third or a fourth next year. If they're going to pull a defenseman off the big club, it's going to be John Marino. So no, they're going to want. I, I'm not sure I, I would make that trade as Buffalo. I don't. I, I just don't. They just. I just don't see them with the capital, and they certainly don't have. Unless Pittsburgh is willing to not have a first and second round pick, not only this year but next year, they have. They have no first, no second this year. Uh, they have a first and second in 2021, but no third and fourth. So yeah. in a sense, you're giving you're probably good, you'd probably be giving up all of next year's high draft picks because the only thing they have is a fifth and two sevenths after that. Uh, I just don't see Pittsburgh with the capital. Washington could do it. I can't see Detroit, and, and, and even Detroit would be intriguing because I don't think they have. Where they've already traded Athens to Edmonton, the 
if you if they're gonna want current players, they're gonna go after somebody young like Amantha. Or they're gonna I mean, God forbid they want a Dylan Larkin, but I don't know. I can't see Eisman letting Larkin go. Uh, but they have okay. the draft. They have the draft capital to get it done with all the. They only have one first round pick for the next three years. They have, or one in each year. But they have multiple yep. seconds in multiple years, multiple thirds in multiple years. <laughs> here's a, here's, I think they're a little closer, but how about a franchise that the two of us have talked about? For a couple of years, they were on the rise. They were nearly there, and since being nearly there, they're broken. The Nashville Predators. I'm, I, Are I'd be you willing to give up. I'd be interested to see what they were. Yeah, what would they be willing to give up? They're not. Are you willing to give up uh, Yossi or Ellis? And it would take that, although you have to you have to mind the age difference, too, because uh, Yossi and Ellis are twenty nine and thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, Eichel is what, twenty four? Is he even that old? Yeah, but are they going to are they going to turn around and ask for Philip Forsberg? Um, Eichel is twenty three. So there's a seven year age difference. I can't see a package that included Forsberg up front and Yossi or Ellis on the back, but let's just say it's Ellis. But the what you're losing in offensive output, they need to replace. So they're going to need. There's. I'm. I'm imagining there's got to be a forward involved. Doesn't necessarily have to oh, be yeah. a center, although it probably should be. But they're going to want somebody like a Forsberg who puts the puck in the net. Kyle Turris is 30, not going to get the deal done. Ryan Johansson. Uh, Ryan Johansson would be really interesting. In Buffalo? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a replacement for Jack Eichel going as another center. Hell no. Um, and I think Phillips Forsberg is, I mean, obviously is the closest in age. Uh, he's... But he's a winger. He, we know he's a known quantity. Um, mm-hmm. I think he'd get shredded for being a slow skater, even though he's not super slow. Um, after just watching the stride differences between him and him and uh, Eichel, um, he, I, I, it might turn I into. Know, I don't know that Nashville could pull could pull him in. Uh, and you look at their. Actually, if you look at their prospect pool, um, I I might actually be talked into um, Ellis, Tolvanen, and Tolvanen and Michael McCarron. Uh, well, maybe not McCarron, but um, uh, maybe Rem Pitlick uh, and a first, and calling it a day. I don't know that that gets it done. If the guy says he wants out, he wants if out. If the guy says he wants out, that's one thing, but you still got to make who are you who are you trading off the off the big club for cap purposes? Ellis. 
literally just Ellis and uh, then Ellis, then prospects. Is Ellis money going to free up enough cap space to bring in Eichel and his eight or ten million dollars a year? Um, Ellis is at a little over six. Mm-hmm. Eichel is a flat ten. Um, so that's so one you might you got to make up somewhere. Uh, well, remember this is this we're who we're, remember who we're talking about. Nashville doesn't really spend to the cap. Um, like right now, based on uh, for this year, the for this season, they they're going to finish with. 2.32 in free money uh, with 17 players signed for next year. They've got 10, uh, nine and nine and a third free. So it's doable. Money wise, it's doable. Um, is it the best deal that's ever been made in hockey? Mm, not necessarily. Is it a deal that anyone is getting hosed on? I don't think so. So if, if if Arizona comes calling, they throw up somebody like uh... see Arizona would have to throw in a butt ton of picks because they don't have they a butt really, ton of picks though. It, well, that's the thing. But the thing is, they don't really have the capital to give up a lot for him and actually come out better. I mean, I like I, I like a lot of the young so you players trade them, in Arizona. You trade them Christian Dvorak, uh, center left wing. You trade them. I mean, are you trading? You're trading them him what? Dvorak, Schmaltz. Um. But do you send that? You'd have to. See, you'd clearly have to send them somebody in the system. Uh, Hannah uh, Kynan. Or Bo... Uh, no, he's too old. It would have to be like, even Hannah Kynan's too old. Um, I'm trying to figure out... I'm trying to remember who they have that was really high. Uh, maybe you're sending Kyle Copabianic. Copa Bianco. Really? Hmm. I'm not saying that's exactly who I would send, but I'm saying that that might be the guy you need to do. Um, he was, uh, I mean, he was a third round pick, uh, so that's probably not enough to get it done. But I no. think you're set. You're probably, although, eh, I mean, he had 37 points in 42 AHL games last year as a defenseman. That's generally speaking not terrible. Um, only one goal in nine games uh, for the big club, but certainly, certainly more than serviceable. Send them Aiden Hill. Mm-mm. Somehow, don't suspect that's going to get it done either. No, but it's the goaltender, and I've it's seen Aiden not like Hill. They... 
I've seen Aiden Hill play, and I know that he's actually a decent goaltender. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and we spent a little bit of time here working this out. I, I'm just saying that I don't know that the market for him creating a bidding war is as big as Jimmy Murphy or Buffalo or Joe. Uh, what's the not Joe Fish? Peter Fish, the agent. I don't know that the bidding war they're imagining is going to be as huge as they think it doesn't necessarily have to be huge you just have to have two two sides at least two sides that don't want to lose that's i mean you just have to have two bidders who don't want to lose you know montreal and toronto or toronto and montreal uh, interesting but i can't see again i can't see them trading him to montreal because uh in the east or in the Eastern Conference, in there. I guess it. I, I. I mean, I guess it depends on what you think of the player. Um, I think that they, wherever you trade him within the East is going to come back to bite you in the butt. If, <laughs> but Montreal, again, they have only one first-round pick for the, for each of the next three years. They do have three seconds this mm-hmm. season. Uh. But again, are you talking? Are they going to ask for Cluck and Yemi? Probably. Uh, or are they going to ask for a Max Domi? Eh. No, you've got to replace goal scoring, and and he does that. Uh, they're not going to ask for somebody like a Shea Weber because uh, 34 years old. I don't care how good he is, and I really like the guy. So. Uh, what about the and Kings? Then, for younger uh, for younger guys, you've got uh, Bjornfoot out there, nineteen uh, year old left defenseman. Bjornfoot, he's been playing. Yeah, I don't. I'm, eh. it, 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 he wouldn't be enough by himself. No. No, no, no. But uh, I mean, we haven't talked necessarily about defensive prospects headed to Buffalo. Um, as part of a trade, and we know that they'd need it. Um, I mean, it's the trade is not going to pull Drew Doughty out of town, but... Um, well, money-wise, it, it doesn't make sense. So, How much of what L.A. has done in the past several years has made sense? Um... Yes, exactly. I'll, I'll get back to you next week. There you go. <laughs> we'll hold that to you. We'll hold you to that. Um, and uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned him just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Yemi has returned to North America. I was wondering if you were going to pick up on the segue. Nice job. I'm pretty good at this. Um, they're going to... Um, there is speculation that he might end up in the AHL first and that Claude Julian might find a way to not play him. Um, I think that, well, see now to me, that's the biggest. And yeah, I read the, read this brief article and, 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 you know, it leaked by a finished podcast that he was returning to North America, which is great. I mean, young kid, uh, I think that Montreal is high on him, but 
as I said to you pre-show, the important the important statement is actually in the third or fourth paragraph, whatever it is. It says the question is now whether Claude Julian finds a way to put him in the lineup. <laughs> is Claude? He's used it. He's played him in the past, so he knows at least historically he he's seen what he's capable of, or at least yeah. he has a fix some, on the talent level. Yeah. It's going to come down to commitment, execution, and health. Is he and, a third? I mean, is he a third line center? Because it says in the next one, you could also slot Kakanyemi in his usual third line spot, push Domi to a wing, which is, I think, Domi's natural position. I don't think Domi is a center. No, I think he's I, a winger. I don't like Domi. I'm not in love with Domi as a center. He's a goal scorer, not a distributor. Um, so, yes, if you put Domi on the wing of, of Kotkaniemi, does that work? And is Domi a third-line guy? Or does freeing him up from the center position move him up to a first- or second-line wing position? That's a good question. I I think I would, on most teams, I would say he's probably a second line center or a second line wing rather Mm -hmm. Um, on the Habs as currently configured or we can project the configuration. He he might actually be first line there. Although it does say in this article that he's more of a threat at center as he can have the puck more. I don't necessarily argue with that. I, If he's got the puck on his stick, he's dangerous. I just don't see him as a center, though. Uh, I mean, I wonder how much of his being more of a threat at center is a lack of quality centers in, in Montreal versus Ouch. his own innate gifts at the position. Um, okay. <laughs> that could be a, a reasonable response. Uh, I just, I don't see him. I, I think that he should be on a wing, receiving passes, scoring goals, as opposed to being in the center position, distributing to everybody else. It, just, it doesn't work for me that way. But I don't run the team, so... You you don't uh, you're not a Molson brother? Are you sure? His face. Uh, okay, so I, I love hockey reference. Another great tool. Uh, his face-off percentage. <clears throat> well, it's better than it's been in anywhere in his career, but it's still sub fifty percent. This particular season that we are currently in, he's at forty-eight point nine. Yeah, about what I thought. Yeah. Last year, 44.9. The year before that, 44.9. Oh, wait. In 2016-17, he was at 50. And his rookie season in Arizona, he was at 36.4. I mean, he's trending in the right direction. Um, And some of that is also line mates, but... So for his career... His face-off winning percentage is 46.1. I, I don't like him as a center. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I necessarily don't like disagree. 
Um, uh, but I think that, you know, he may be a better option at center for the Habs as currently configured than whoever else is there right now. I would, I, again, and I would have to agree with that statement. I'm not sure exactly how many uh, good centers they have. <laughs> yeah. Do they play Druan at center? It's been so long since I've seen a hockey game, I don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> um, going back into the past, the uh, when the Flyers uh, had uh, Bobby Clark on the ice and managed to pick up a Stanley Cup, they had a fairly simple and brutally direct, typical, uh, typically Flyers approach to playing the series one that I'm not sure many teams or coaches would be brave enough to talk about in public these days. Uh, it was let Bobby or have the puck, let him carry it and put bodies on him constantly. Their goal was to wear him down so that they could win. Wear Bobby or down. Wear Bobby Orr down so that they could win. Okay, fair enough. Is that sort of strategy viable in today's NHL against uh, any team? Uh, Buffalo. I, I would say that it's almost certainly effective against the bottom third of the league. It, Let it, their best player wear their best player out, and you're going to win. It's because they don't have or. They they don't perceive they're not perceived to have a secondary star is not the word I'm looking for but like with Buffalo for example you know Eichel's gonna be your goal scorer you know if you can wear Eichel down a little are you that afraid of Jeff Skinner he can score goals but if he's playing with Eichel and Eichel's not a hundred percent he's fatigued at the end of the game. Those are the fatigue toxins running, racing through his body. Probably. But seriously, yeah, it's the teams that don't have, like with Boston, for example, the whole top line, but then you've got a second line of of Krejci and and a cast of billions and a cast of uh, wingers that goes back 120 deep. Uh, They have scoring on multiple levels. You can get goal scoring even from the fourth line. Mm-hmm. You don't have that running all the way through four lines in Buffalo. You don't have that running through. I don't even know if you have that running through all four lines in Arizona or L.A. Mm-hmm. I would say like, no. Just like looking said, at the numbers of offensive so output for those two teams. Is it? No. So is it a viable option? It's a viable option, but it, it's against teams that uh, during the regular season it'll get you two points, which helps pro- which helps propel you to the top of your your division. But, but you're not going to do that against Toronto or Tampa Bay or you're not going to do that against the Washington Capitals. Teams. Yeah. So no, it doesn't. It, it works in the regular season, but that thought process nowadays would not work in the playoffs, I don't believe. 
because the playoff teams generally have scoring from multiple levels. I mean, I know we talked about in the past the Bruins struggled when the top line didn't score and mm-hmm. might even still now. Yes, they do. But in general, the playoff teams nowadays have scoring from multiple levels. So, yes, it'll work in the regular season. No, not in the playoffs. Awesome. Um, time for one more? Two more? Uh, Seven more? One more? Uh, I, <laughs> one more? One more? Sure. Um... 20 more? The Minnesota Wild. Uh, the I ran across a, an article at Zone Coverage talking about the Minnesota Wild and their uh, and how they should not fear the expansion draft. Um, Minnesota Wild are fearing the expansion draft. Oh. Well, I think some fans probably are. Um, but as our uh, as the article points out, I think as constructed today right now, there uh, that Tony Abbott is probably right. Uh, this is an article from June eighteenth. Um, they don't really have a star to lose. They lost Alex Tuck in the expansion draft to Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's a loss. Um plain and simple there's no way around it um but based on who they have to protect uh either because it only makes sense or of contract content um it's Suter and Spurgeon on the blue line um there are no movement that's there are no movement clauses obligate them to protect both um Matt Dumba is the only other uh, defenseman currently under contract. Uh, so, and I can't imagine them wanting to give him up. They have two goalies, sort of. Um, uh, Capo Kakinen and Alex Stalock. Um, and then Devin Dubnik will be a pending free agent. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure Seattle is going to spend a draft pick on a UFA. Um, at forwards, uh, the two no movement clauses are Parisi and Zuccarello. Um, and that leaves a couple of guys who, well, if you have to, you can afford to lose uh, at forward. Donato, Eric Sinek, Fiala. Greenway, Hartman, uh, Kunin, and Rask. You're only protecting a fairly small number of people, so I don't see any one take, of those guys you lose. I don't see them taking Victor Rask. It's going to be somebody younger like uh, Fiala or Donato. Uh, I, I of the three I, of those, I, I would pr- I would actually probably take Eriksson Ek, but that's me. Um, nothing against the other two, but I, I think uh, Erickson X is more of a 200 foot player. And on a team that's mm, likely going to have some uh, transition and defensive issues, yeah, he he makes sense to me as a pickup. 
Um, but uh, this ignores, of course, what Billy Garen is going to do with the draft this year, with the with free agency this year, and with trades himself between now and the expansion draft. Um, is there anyone mentioned in this article who you just kind of baffled that they either would or wouldn't protect? Uh, no, because you're going to protect you're going to protect Dumba, which makes all kinds of sense. I I agree with you. I think Erickson Act should be protected. Uh, who would I be surprised about? I don't know. No, I I'm I don't know that there's there should be a really big surprise here. No, neither do I, which is which just underscores the state that the lead, that the team has fallen into uh, since Vegas um, since Vegas came into the league. It wasn't just losing Alex Tuck. The team is just not as young, not as talented as it was a couple of years ago uh, when Vegas made their head, uh, made their picks. And that's the reason that Bill Guerin has his job today. It's yeah. his job to go out and fix that. Um, I'm not sure where he's going to start, but I think it's going to be fascinating to be along for the ride. It's going to be a, I'm, I'm still not sure I'm sold on what Minnesota's biggest issues are. Uh, because if you watch it, well, if you watch them in the playoffs, it's clearly goal scoring of some kind. Because but they're squishy. They don't have commitment. Which is why they, I don't know, they brought in a guy like a Jordan Greenway who's, I mean, big, physically, he's physically imposing. I don't know how physical he is because he hasn't been around the NHL for a, a whole heck of a long time. He's big in college, so but college they don't get overly physical during their games they're I mean they hit but no uh, goaltending is Dubnik looks human but I think they've way overplayed him the last couple of years yep uh, Alex Daylock actually looks like a decent number two mm-hmm I where does Bill start? And now he's got, on top of all that, he's got to worry about the expansion draft. Yeah, but he, this is, I mean, I don't envy him his job. I mean, the, the GM's I, job is a tough one, but his might be a little bit tougher than others. Because <laughs> you got to worry about who to protect. At the same point in time, you got to worry about, uh, you know, are you losing team leadership in, in Felino? But you can't afford to protect him, unfortunately, because you got to protect Eric Sinek. Yeah. I mean, you have to balance it. And in some ways, I think you need to get a handle on what other teams are going to expose um, before you make your final decision. Okay. 
And that's probably not 100% possible because I really doubt the general managers are calling around to each other saying, hey, I'm, I'm exposing this guy and this guy and this guy, uh, or I'm only protecting these three guys, um, plus whatever names I just draw out of a hat. Uh, there's going to be a system for each franchise, um, but I don't know what that system is going to be and how attuned to it Billy Garen is going to be which is honestly going to make the expansion draft fascinating. I can't wait till we're a little bit closer and we but can it's see. The, but it's the same way it was run the last time around with the exception of... Uh, yeah, Vegas will be... Vegas exempt. doesn't have to give up anybody or something like that. Yes. But rules seem to be the same across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh... Is Seattle going to find that William Carlson that, you know, Vegas? And and I'm not saying that William Carlson is suddenly, you know, top five in the NHL, but considering he came from a, a, a team where he wasn't playing because they didn't either, they either had better forwards to play ahead of him or didn't know what to what they were getting out of it. He just didn't play enough to really showcase what he could do and catch lightning in a bottle. He goes to Vegas, boom. And now, yeah, William Carlson is a top 15 two way forward, top 10, two way forward in the NHL. He plays power play penalty kill. Uh, He's not going to win a Selkie anytime soon. I don't think, but no, but he is he is a a strong two way forward. He's not just a goal scorer. So yep. does Seattle find that? Is that something, or or are we not going to be? The surprise factor isn't going to be there because it's been done once before. Well, I and think it's going to be low surprise because it's been done and done recently. Um, you know, but it's also the fact that everybody. You're not going to be able to, unless you work the kind of deals that McPhee was able to work, and he did work. The deals he worked prior to the expansion draft were, you know, okay. And just another shakedown. Well, yeah, when you can actually convince a team that they need to hang on to this guy so that you expose Shea Theodore, for example. I mean, he the deals he... Whatever deals he worked with Anaheim that they felt they they could expose Theodore and and McPhee went yeah we'll take Shea Theodore thank you very much we'll take uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Anaheim did not want to let Shea Theodore go in the expansion nope. draft <laughs> no they didn't uh, doesn't look like we're going to have time to talk prospects this week. I did have a couple I wanted to talk about, but we're running a little bit heavier than normal on time. Okay. Um, Give me a chance to put together a couple. So. Anything else? Oh, there was that story we didn't talk about last week. Um, uh, I guess we can. Uh, guess it, we don't need to talk about it then. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say? Uh I think we've covered everything we need to cover. You're right. We did not cover the DeBrusque story, but we can certainly put it on the top of the list for next week. Okay, then. 
in that case, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to let you go. You have an awesome week. Uh, remember to wish Chris a happy birthday this week uh, at the off wing. Um, uh, or you can send it or you can email it uh, to us at those two at two man for check.com. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing what's in store for us uh, on the hockey front this week. Um, have a fantastic uh, safe week. We may actually find out where hub cities are going to be. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you very much, and uh, we will talk soon.